Lord for the opportunity to do that. And we have uh, we have been focused uh, in Bill's encouragements and prayer and reading of scripture and and Alan's leading in song. And they've all been about Jesus. And that's why we gather together is to put him again in our minds where he goes. As being first and foremost. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles over to the Gospel of John. Whether it be through... uh, Sermons or teaching or both sometimes. Uh, we'll be spending some time here in the next few months in the Gospel of John. And so I'm encouraging you to read it. To read it and to listen to it. And to, to listen for the one who's presented there. Here's an interesting thing to me. In reality, we all want desperately the things God wants us to have. Who who doesn't want who doesn't want life, our life, my life, your life? To really matter or mean something. It's not, I, I don't know, and I know some atheists. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know people who even don't believe in God that have a deep appreciation for things that don't matter. People who don't even believe in God will stand up for life to protect it or or try to enhance it or try to find purpose in it. God's trying to give us that. That's why he came here. Jesus didn't come here to remove all suffering from planet Earth. If he did, he failed. He didn't fail. He didn't fail. I I find most people are not against suffering if it means something. Something. Is it, are we accomplishing something with our suffering? I'm not against hard work. If there's a reason behind it, if there's a purpose behind it, if it's connected to something, I don't, I don't mind doing without. I don't mind sacrificing if there's some purpose behind it. Well, the Gospel of John presents to us very clearly Jesus. And he's the purpose. He says, John says many things about Jesus, and he tells us why he wrote the letter. He wrote this letter, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, to give evidence 
And he wrote it to God's people. Well, God's people are Christians. When, by the time John writes this letter, God's covenant-related children are Christians, and John wrote the book to Christians. Why on earth would he write a book to Christians about Jesus? They already know Jesus is the Son of God. They already believed that. Everywhere Bill went, they already believed it. He wrote a book to give more evidence. Why? Because you got to tie yourself to that. You gotta dally out. You gotta you gotta you gotta tie yourself to that. You have to choose to do that every day. Is your life tied off to you? Then it's not gonna hold up. Then there's no eternal purpose in it. Or is our life tied to the bedrock deity of Jesus Christ? That, we'll get into Hebrews one of these days, that, Hebrews 6, it's the bedrock deity of Jesus. It is his intercession. It is his character. It is his person. It's his mission. It's his purpose. It's his intercession for us that is the anchor for our souls. Well, this is what our lives are tied off to. It is a person. His name is Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. God doesn't want us just go, going aimlessly through life with it not having meaning, with it not having value, with it not having purpose. He doesn't want us going through life living in darkness and not understanding and not seeing and just being tossed around by whatever's happened currently in our world. He wants us to have light to be able to see where to go and how to do. He wants us to have life. He wants us to have purpose. He wants to give us life. All of these things come through Jesus Christ. And John, he, he makes this so simple, and yet the more I study it and the more I read it, the bigger it gets. So all of these things that he gives us about Jesus, these encounters that he has with people, the, the signs, the miraculous wonders that he does in the presence of people, uh, all of those things are, are historically verifiably given as proof of the deity of Jesus. He is God. God wants us to remember that. God wants us to know that. God wants us to live our lives out of that fact. Why don't we give up? Jesus is the Son of God. Why don't we quit? Jesus is the Son of God. What gave us hope to come to God in the first place? Jesus is the Son of God. And the light of his word has revealed that to us. So here's what John does in this gospel letter for just a minute. The first 18 verses of the gospel of John, as you're reading this, keep this in your mind. Every time you read from the gospel of John, read the first 18 verses. If your person likes to read a chapter every day, if you're, I don't care if you're going to read two verses every day, read the first 18 verses before you read the two you're going to read. Read the first 18 verses before you read the chapter you're going to read. Read the first 18 verses before you read the rest of the letter. We live in a day and age you don't have to read it. You could listen to somebody read it to you. If 
fine. Let somebody read it to you. Better than that, get your book out, uh, your tablet, your phone, your book, whatever it is you've got the words on, and let somebody read it to you, and you follow along. That teaches you cool things like some possible way to pronounce some of the words that might be. John doesn't have a lot of those words. But it puts it in your mind in a different way. But read the letter. John didn't, John didn't write this letter and give it to the early church with the understanding that they had to read the Gospel of Mark before they could sort anything out from the Gospel of John. That's not how it's written. This letter accomplished a purpose. And everything John has to say about Jesus, and he has, he has endless amounts of things to say about Jesus, the person. He says them in these first 18 verses. The rest of it is illustration and explanation of the truth that's in these first 18 verses. So as we're talking in class this morning, as we're reading the account of creation, what that's really telling us and what it was really telling Israel is it's giving Israel rationale for their covenant with God. He gave them the law of Moses. But he gave them the law of Moses based on his own identity. For I am the Lord your God. Remember Genesis chapter 1? That's the guy who called you out of Egypt. Here's my covenant with you. It's all based on God. And so our faith is based on Jesus Christ, who is God. And this is the nature of God to create. He is the creator and the life giver, and he has done that. And what he wants for you and he wants for me is for us to have life. I'm interested in having eternal life. I want to have life that's abundant, not just existence. I want to have life that's full of purpose and meaning. I want to have a life that is a blessing. I want to have life that promotes life for other people. Don't you? There's not a, per there's not a parent in here that doesn't understand that. That's true. There's not a child in here that doesn't understand that principle because that's what our parents do. They promote for us life, or they should, or someone who took their place did. God wants to give life. I want to have it, but God wants it for me to a greater extent than I want it. He wants it to the point that he would sacrifice his son. So this morning, I'm looking at three things. Number one, Jesus is light. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1, that's cosmic light. That's, that's light. Some of it we sort of create from energy. That's the light that the sun gives. That's light that you can make lasers out of. You can, you can bend it, it refract. You can do all kinds of things with light. That's cosmic light and God created it. You know what, without it, there's zero life. Now this is a play on words, but John will use these terms over and over. Light and darkness, life and death. He'll use contrasting terms over and over. Jesus would say, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. 
He's not cosmic light, brothers and sisters. He created cosmic light. It's a play on words. When he says, I am light, what's he saying? If you want life, you're not going to have it without me. John 14, 6, he would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is illuminating the path to God. He is the light. He is the light of God that points us to the life of God. He came as the light of the world. Look here. In him, verse 4, John 1, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not, understood it not, overcame it not, could not understand it, could not overcome it, could not lay claim to it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. That's John, the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, not John the apostle. That's John, we say, the Baptist. The man who came from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. In verse 10, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. They didn't credit him with being the source of life. They didn't credit him with being the creator. They didn't understand him as the creator. So their life, their life couldn't be submissive to him as the creator. Their life couldn't be based on him as the creator. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own. That's the Jewish people. He came to that which was his own, but his own would not receive him. Well, if you don't recognize him, you don't credit it, if you God gives him to you and you don't receive him, then you're never going to have the life that God wants to give you. And why is John reminding the early church of this is exactly how it went down? Because this is exactly how it still goes down. If you don't recognize him, you're not getting eternal life. You don't give Jesus the credit for, you, you can say the name Jesus and be talking about some uh, ancient Jew that lived in the first century. No, if you don't recognize him, if you're not going to worship him, if you're not going to bring glory to him, if you're not going to submit to him, if you're not going to obey him, then you, don't, you don't have any avenue to God for this life that he brings. He came to that which was his own, but his own would not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, his authority, not J-E-S-U-S -S in English. No, his authority. He's more than just Yeshua, uh, Joshua, Jesus. He's, he's more than just that name. It is his authority. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, He's got the power, in other words, in their mind, they're putting their full weight down on he's got the power and he's got the desire to get God's purpose done. I'm going to stick with him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to submit to him. I'm going to recognize him. I'm going to credit him. He gave the right 
to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. So what? He's the light of the world. So what? He is God become flesh. Well, the so what is, since he came, since he is the light, and since he gave himself, then he gives us the right to become children of God. See, it is not right. It is not right for sinners to have relationship, intimate access to God who is righteous. Oil and water don't mix. Righteousness and unrighteousness don't mix. They can't be in common. They can't be connected. Well, the light, the light of God came in the flesh. The word of God, God himself, the one who is the word, the one who is God, the one who was with God in the beginning, the one who through all things were made. This one, when he became flesh, he came here to this world to become the light of God. He came here to give you the right to become a child of God. Not that God created you. God created all men, whether they believe or not. Whether they recognize Jesus or not. Whether they receive Jesus or not. God from one man made all men. There, everybody's God's child in that regard. I'm not talking about from a creator in a, cre in a creation standpoint only, physically. I'm talking about in a spiritual sense. I'm talking about a covenant-related child of God. A God to whom God has given promises. A, a child to whom God has given life. Well, I existed before I became a Christian. Yeah, but you don't have eternal life until you get it in Jesus. And as it were, God is recreating. Well, that's what he said, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If anyone is in Christ Jesus... He is a new creature, a new creation. God has once again <sighs> spirited into him, breathed into him life, just as he did Adam in the beginning. He has made us new in Jesus. And he has, he has given us the right. God had to provide for himself a just and right way for us to have life. God doesn't capriciously or, or willy-nilly give forgiveness of sins or righteousness or eternal life. He can't, give, he can't give intimate access of himself to sin. And so he had to have a way to rid, rid people of sin so that they could come to him. He had to rid people of sin so that they could have his righteousness. He had to rid people of death. He had to rid people of darkness so they could see the light. He had to rid people of sin so they could have his righteousness. He had to rid them of death so they could have his life. And that's what Jesus came to do is rid us of all those things. So God would have the right to call us his children. Children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will. Who would that describe? When did God ever have a covenant? When did God ever have a covenant of any kind with mankind? He told Adam and Eve that, right? 
Tend the garden, be fruitful and multiply, do not eat of the tree. But what was the job of little of Jews? Oh, I gave it away, didn't I? What was the job of Jews to have little Jews? How did you become a Jew in the first place? You need a mama Jew and a daddy Jew, and guess what they have? Little baby Jews. They're physical, biological descendants of Abraham. That was the Jewish nation. Oh, I know, you could, you could be a proselyte to Judaism. I understand that, but primarily the functioning part of the covenant of, of Judaism is if you're a descendant of Abraham, John will expound that a bunch of times. The Pharisee's going to get an argument. Well, we have Abraham as our father. Jesus said, you don't have no such thing. Yeah, we can run the DNA, and I know it's Abraham, but mm -mm. Abraham trusted God, loved God, and did what God said and was God's friend. And y'all are acting like your daddy the devil. So don't, don't, don't be claiming Abraham. Were they born, were, were Jewish offspring born because of in natural descent, because of human decision and a husband's will? Yeah, all the time, every time. John said, this is different. This is different. Is that going to pop back up again in chapter 3 when Nicodemus said, I don't understand the kingdom. <clears throat> Jesus said, well, you got to be born again. You got to be born again for the kingdom? What, to enter, the, to enter my Jewish mother's womb a second time so I can be born in the covenant? Mm -mm, no, Nicodemus, that's not it. Born of God is the right that Jesus gave. It's not physical descendancy from Abraham. There's a lot here, brothers and sisters. I think we keep seeing Christianity as this thing where we were dirty and God wiped us off and then said, okay, here's a bunch of rules. Here you go. Let's see if you can keep yourself clean. No, we're born of God. Do we even say this in our minds? I'm a child of God. These are good things to say. You could claim it and it not be true. I'm not talking about that. I don't think people, I don't think people put great store in stuff that's claimed it's not true. I don't, do you? I'm talking about saying stuff that's true. Now that matters. That matters. We are born of God because Jesus came here. God came here in the flesh and gave God the right to adopt you and adopt me. And he adopted us through this one we call Jesus. He is our avenue to God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, doxa, brightness, glory, light. All this is a play on words. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, the only begotten of the Father who is in the bosom of the Father, the one who is, is in fellowship with God, one who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus is the light. And the light tank came to give you the right 
to become children of God and having a righteous way for God to adopt us that we might. That's a poor use of trying to make words rhyme for you people that like words to rhyme. Light and right and might. What? The light came. So what? To give us the right to become children of God. Now what? That we might be sanctified. John 17. 17 through about, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. We all know that, don't we? 17, 17. Father, for I sanctified myself for them that they too may be truly sanctified. That we might be sanctified, that we might be set apart, that we might be different, that we might be holy, that we might be guided by a purpose that, that is not necessarily visible. Doing things that are visible and, all pra- and are, are practical because of a spiritual reality that we're no longer our own, that God has made a right way to purchase us, that we should belong to him, that we should be his children, that we might reflect this one who keeps changing people's lives on a dime. He keeps talking to and loving people that nobody else wants to talk to. He keeps giving direction to people who, who are full of knowledge and leadership potential. And he just won't quit with this handful of misfits that he picks out. He's just not like everybody else. You apply to have a rabbi. You go to the rabbi, you apply. It's like getting into the university. You applied, and he considers you. And Jesus went out hunting these guys. That's not like everybody else. They followed him, and on a regular basis, he did things in the midst of their darkness that they're walking in and living in, bless their heart. They don't understand. And he keeps doing things that show that he's not like that. He sees where they can't see. He can do where they can't do. He has capacity where they're bankrupt. And this one, brothers and sisters, he came here for you. God tells us the truth about him. He tells that to me for me. He tells that to you for you. So that our life with him is based on Jesus. That our being with him is based on Jesus. That our living for him is guided by Jesus. This is not a contest to see who can, who can imitate him the best. This is the truth of God revealed in a person and his name is Jesus. And God says, this is what I want for you. I want you to be a blessing to a world that doesn't have a clue. I want you to be the indisputable, practical, everyday evidence that somewhere 
some way, somehow, there is a source for hope and for true life. And it's not found in anything in this world. It's found in a person, and his name is Jesus. God's purpose is for us to reflect that. That we've got something that the world doesn't offer. That we've got, really, we have in, in our possession, in Jesus, we have every single thing the world longs for. We have life. We have peace. We have help. We have hope. And the world and its things cannot afford that. God paid the price to afford that to you and afford it to me. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we humbly come before your throne, Father. And we acknowledge that you're right always. <clears throat> that you are the God of truth. <coughs> that your word, Father, is truth. And it's truth that matters. The truth is, Father, every one of us has a value has a value that we cannot understand. Bill was right in his focus. We, we wrestle with it and we're supposed to. We wrestle with it and we want to. And, it, and it's, it's just beyond us that our, ver that our worth and our value, Father, is so great. Is we don't provide our own worth and we don't provide our own value. The value or the worth of anything, Father, is determined very simply in the price that someone is willing to pay for it. And you have paid the price. You have paid the price for us to become children of God. Children of yours. Children washed in the blood and filled by your spirit. Children committed to and, and, and motivated by the love which you have shed abroad in our hearts. Children, Father, that understand and trust when life is overwhelming And when the darkness of temptation or sin cloud our lives, cloud our world, and cloud our minds, there's a place, Father, where we can come and the light shines brightly and clearly. And it is to your word. And it is most specifically, Father, in your Son, Jesus the Christ, our Savior. Thank you, Father, for all that John tells us about Jesus, for all the evidence he gives us, for the truth, Father, that he, the profound truth that he states so simply. Help us to see it, Father. Help us, help it to resonate in our minds. When we're scared and when we doubt, when we're afraid, when we especially, Father, when we just don't understand. Help us to come here. 
And help us, Father, to set ourselves aside and to look clearly and intently for him, for the one who died for us, for the one who lives by the power of an indestructible life always to intercede. For God's saints, God's children. Thank you, Father, for his coming. Thank you for his life. Thank you, Father, for his sacrifice that gives you the right to grant us his intercession. Help it to impact our minds, impact our thoughts, determine what we truly love, determine what we're willing to believe, and to determine, Father, our relentless pursuit of sharing him with others. Thank you for caring about us and loving us and telling us the truth, Father. Bless all these things any way and every way that will bring you glory. We thank you for hearing our prayer, and we praise you for answering it, even before we see it. It's through him who died for us, bled for us, and intercedes now that we pray these things. Amen. So in this little word of truth this morning, I hope you understand that God came here. What's God going to do? God came here. That's what God's going to do. What's God going to do to give you life and peace? Jesus said, 1633 of the same gospel, in this world you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. In me you will have peace. He himself is our peace, Ephesians 2.14. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Would you come to him? If you need to do that in a public way or in a public way, you need to ask for our help. And if your need is not public, please give one of the brothers and sisters here a call. Give me a call. Please reach out. Please, let's help each other. But if your need is public, you can let us know now while we stand and while we sing.